But by the end of the book, you have proximity to me that the next time you see a six foot two black man with dreadlocks walking down the street, you begin to wonder, what is this man's story? And is it rich? And is it deep? And is it funny? Is it filled with love? Is it filled with grace? Is it filled with anger? But you stop and begin to think. And if I can get any individual to stop and think before they jump into their own fears and their own concepts of what they think they might be viewing at that moment, then I did all right. Welcome to Business with Purpose. I'm your host, Molly Stillman, and this show is all about bringing you the stories behind the brands, the companies, and the small businesses that are changing the world. Each week, I get to sit down with an incredible entrepreneur, a community leader, an activist, an author, a speaker, a brand owner, a nonprofit director, just somebody who is trying to make a difference, not only with their personal life, but also with their career. My goal is to show you that no matter what you do for a living, no matter where you are, you can make an impact. My guest this week is the Tyler Merritt. Tyler Merritt is a Nashville-based actor, activist, cancer survivor, and founder of The Tyler Merritt Project. He is the author of I Take My Coffee Black, Reflections on Tupac, Musical Theater, Faith, and Being Black in America. Over the course of his career, Tyler has gained recognition through notable acting projects, including Kevin Probably Saves the World, Outer Banks, and The Outsider, as well as serving as the face of the worldwide teaching curriculum for the Gospel Project for Kids. Most recently, Tyler made headlines with his 2018 viral video called Before You Call the Cops. It's been viewed over 60 million times worldwide. He's appeared on Jimmy Kimball, MSNBC, The New York Times, and as a 6'2", dreaded black man living in America where racial injustices continue to plague our society, Tyler has emerged as a steadfast activist in the face of racism. Let me just say that after this conversation, Tyler and I basically became best friends. I absolutely love Tyler. He has just, one, he's hilarious. Two, he has such a sweet spirit. Three, he's just so honest. He's raw. And he's just somebody that you want to spend more time with. You want to just learn from. You are going to absolutely gobble up this conversation. This is probably one of my favorite episodes this year. You're going to love it. But before I get to my conversation with Tyler, I want to thank our partner of the show who's able to help make it possible. And that is Mama Suds. Now, I know a lot of you are already thinking about spring cleaning. You're trying to clean up your household products this year. And Mama Suds is here to help. Now, this, the best way to do this is just start with one product. Don't feel like you have to overhaul everything overnight. So just every time you run out of a specific cleaning product, just replace it with a non-toxic one or purchase a product that has multiple uses. The Mama Suds collection has a ton of multi-use products like their Castile soap, the toilet bombs, their multi-purpose cleaner. Their blog has a ton of great tips. Uh, they're even a Castile soap recipe that you can print off and make your own effective cleaners. So give them a try at mamasuds.com. Don't forget to use the coupon code MOLLY for 15% off your order. Now, without further ado, on to my conversation with Tyler Merritt. I am so pumped to be welcoming uh, Tyler Merritt to the show. Tyler, thank you for being here. <laughs> Molly, what is going on? Now, people who are watching, who are listening to this right now can't see that you have like stacks and stacks of books behind you right now. <laughs> and so I feel like we are automatically connected. Yes, I'm a big, I know. And it's so funny because the genres back there, it's a wide range. Like it's not any one type of book. I mean, I've got everything from like, Christian nonfiction to like science and fantasy to like really cheesy okay. romance. It just really runs the like, <laughs> the spectrum. All, all right. So then tell me this then. What is your, if you were like right now had to turn around and grab a book and you're like, it's the only book you can read for the next year. What's the oh. book you would grab? Oh, so it would be a book I read last year called The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue. That's just the wow. one that first comes to mind. And it's totally unlike anything I'd ever read before. It's like kind of a science-y, fiction-y, fantasy thing. But it, again, it's not my normal book. Sure. But I sure. devoured that book and I've loaned it out to like 15 different people because I'm like, this book is so good. It's it's very different. It's very unique. I think I've heard that they're turning it into a movie, which I cannot wait for if that's true. Dope. So Dope. My goal is, is that this time next year, when a beautiful black man is on your podcast yes. and says, 
what book can you not live without? You will turn around and say, I take my copy black. I turn yes, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> we are making it happen. Um, all right. Well, Tyler, let's start off by giving, uh, give me the Tyler 101. So who you are, what you do and how you got to where you are today. Hey, well, so first let me say, I'm honored to be here with you today, like so much. And it makes my heart happy on so many levels. Um, so I'll tell you, I am an actor, author, activist, and also known as an encourager. And it's not necessarily in that order. I began dreaming about doing something significant in the world as a young, young kid. And as I got a little bit older and lived a few um, crazy stories in my life, I decided that because of all the people that had come into my life, um, I had a different amount of proximity that many get. Mm -hmm. So from living with gay friends, straight friends, Christian friends, Muslim friends, um, black, white, all over the place. I had so many people in my life that um, as I got older, I started trying to figure out ways that I can connect all of them together, which birthed the Tyler Mara Project, which out of that, I was started to, to create content, hopefully to reach people as much as I possibly could, to connect people with love, laughter, creativity, and allow people to understand um, my singular story as a Black person in America. Little did I know that very shortly after I birthed the Tyler Mara Project, I would create a piece of content called Before You Call the Cops. Mm -hmm. And that video ended up going like crazy viral, like just ridiculously viral in 2018, which then shortly after that, I left social media for two years because my life was kind of overwhelming, mm. kind of vowed not to come back. Like I started off going, I'm going to save the world. And I was like, this is too hard and <laughs> disappeared for a couple of years. And uh, right around the time of George Floyd, I decided to create another piece of content just for me mm. called The Playlist. And even though I wasn't on social media, and at this point, literally, you, if you Googled, is Tyler Merritt, the first thing that popped up was dead because mm. it looked like I just didn't exist anymore. Oh my goodness. And um, around the time of George Floyd, I created a new piece of content called The Playlist. My friend Joy Reed, who works over at MSNBC, saw it because I just sent it to her. Like, I think this is kind of powerful. What do you think? And she said, it is. You need to get back into um, social media because there's a lot going on right now. And we need your voice. What I didn't know is that though I had been gone for two years, before you called the cops, it become, had began to recirculate again and now had gone viral a second time. Oh, wow. You know how the internet works, right? Yeah. So for anything to go viral is a big deal, let alone twice. Yeah. So I jumped back onto social media after two years of an absence and it was almost like I wasn't gone. I then released the playlist, which was uh, the other piece of content, and that began to go viral as well. So there were two pieces of content going viral simultaneously. And the voice that I was always hoping that I would have and began to grow in 2018 when I decided to disappear from the world immediately came back at a time period where people wanted to listen. Mm. And I had a very different way of talking about race relations. I had a very different way of talking about social justice because it was rooted in love, um, humor, and grace. And um, it echoed with tons of people. And so that was just solely through what I was doing out of my own personal, you know, content. Um, not to mention, you know, I, acting has been fantastic. I've been in Lifetime movies and Falcon and Winter Soldier and, you know, a handful of things that are I've been blessed to be a part of. And then the encouraging piece is I'm a huge believer that if people are willing to listen to your voice, it is our job to make sure that those who are listening are encouraged. So I try to do that as often as I can. I love that perspective so much because, you know, and especially just the way that uh, I love you're like the Internet's a wild place. Like I was always like, yeah, Al Gore's Internet is real unpredictable. I'm just saying uh, <laughs> uh, it just you never know. Like you create something one day that you spend like five, five hours on and like it just completely flops. And then the next day you spend two and a half minutes creating something and then you get like millions of views and you're just like, what? Yeah. I don't understand. I don't understand, What's going on? <laughs> I don't understand right. this. Right. But I think the common thread is, and one of the things that you said that I, I really resonated with is this idea of you created something for you. Mm -hmm. And it was something that was coming out of a, a genuine place of need, of uh, desire, of 
almost it was almost like it compelled you to create this thing and that you wouldn't be able to sleep at night until you created this thing. And I mean, you know, I know that both of us have the have a faith perspective. And I really believe that those things are the things that God puts within us. And right. that uh, we cannot shake them until we do what God has put in us uh, to create. And that when we do that, other people connect with it because it's authentic, it's real, it's honest, and it's like a breath of fresh air. It's just you see something and you go, oh, yeah, that's exactly what I've you know been thinking or that's exactly, exactly what I've been uh, connecting with. In fact, just last week, I interviewed Morgan Harper Nichols and she was talking yeah. to about something really similar about when she started creating poetry and art that was just a reflection of what was going on inside her and not like what she was thinking people wanted to see or thinking mm-hmm. people wanted to read. That's when her stuff started to go viral. And I think it's the exact same thing. It's just what you said is just creating that thing that was within you and people started to connect with it. Um, I remember seeing that, that viral video back in 2018. And I remember just being like, I mean, as a very, very white woman, nearly transparent, you know, bless my Irish roots. Um, you know, just, uh, I, I still, there was something about it that just made me cry, made me, um, want to just like reach through the screen and be like, be my friend. And here we are four years later and we're talking, which I just love so much. Completely friends. But I'll tell you though, I'll tell you when I created before you call the cops, that video almost did not get distributed because you're right. It completely sparked out of a place of needing to communicate something that was on my heart. So then I made the video. I brought it back home to my, I went to my studio and laid it down, brought it back home, did some edits to it, looked at it. And it's three minutes of me talking about myself. Just literally just going, before you call the cops, I want you to know spiders are creepy. Like my mom <laughs> is great. And I love Las Vegas. Like it's it was just three minutes of me talking about myself. And I looked at it and genuinely thought to myself, Molly, like, you know what? Nah, this uh, th- no one's gonna want to watch this, mm. you know? And I sent it to my friend Lisa. And it, like, she was in California. I'm here in Nashville. And so uh, for me, it was like two o'clock in the morning. It was midnight. And I was like, here's this random video that I just made. And she texted me back and I'll never forget. She said to me, this feels holy. Mm. And I yeah. went, well, I, okay. And in the video, I'm not wearing a, a shirt, right? Because I was trying to go for like being transparent and all of this. And um, my mother to this day says, Tyler, why did you not wear a shirt in that video? <laughs> and I'm like, mom. mom that's a mama thing. If I had known that over a hundred million people were going to see this video. I would have put a shirt on. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there's just <laughs> this thing oftentimes when we create, we just don't know how the world's going to react. And mm-hmm. that's also, I encourage people all the time, Molly, like, and, it, and this is a big piece of what I try to do with the Tyler Merritt project is to let people know your story matters. Your words matter. You are significantly created to be you. Mm-hmm. And the you that you are is the only you we have. And so if you decide to take your light and hide it, then you just never know where that light could have spread. And so I, I really do push people to go, yo, tell your story, write that book. Don't be afraid to give someone a compliment. Don't be afraid to say that thing that is on your heart, even though it might be scary to you, because there are people in this world that need you. And I am one of them. Mm. And it just goes to like, I think that so much speaks to that idea of every piece of the body of Christ, like working together, like we need armpits, like guess what? Like (laughs) we need fingernails. Um, Like not everybody's going to do something that's really like amazing, but it all like works for it. And it's amazing in your own way. And it's, and you've got these really unique gifts. And like my husband, I joke is like really good with spreadsheets and uh, spreadsheets are where my soul goes to die. And um, mine too, right? Molly, we just came best friends. I know. I just like mm, spreadsheets. No, but like anytime we are do some, doing something, my husband's like, all right, I'll start a spreadsheet. I'm just like, no. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, but having all those things working together, uh, it just really creates just such a beautiful picture of humanity. And and just really shows off just the creativity of of the world and what a boring world we would live in if we all had the same t- you know talents and skills and skin colors and music likes and 
uh, you know, political affiliations. Like we would just, it would be such a boring world if everything was the same and it's not. And, but we've gotten into this mindset almost of seeing, of living in this world where we feel like we have to surround ourselves with people who look like us, think like us, act like us, vote like us, uh, worship like us. And that has just been, I think, uh, on my heart for for the last couple of years, especially, is to just give all that up. Like, why? Why? Uh-huh. Um, I mean, I love like I grew up I live in North Carolina now. But I grew up outside of D.C. And like I think about my childhood growing up, like I was completely surrounded by people who looked, acted, voted, you know, uh, all the things differently than me. And I loved that. And that's like what, you know, my husband and I are trying to do with our kids is to just break out of that. You know, I I guess I don't even know what the word I'm looking for is just that you can say white mold. Yeah. Well, yeah, that for sure. That's that's definitely it. Um, Yeah. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So let me ask you this question. Yeah. What inspired you to want to do specifically this podcast? Like, how did you go from this doesn't exist Mm -hmm. to I, I need to do this thing. What was it that, in, that brought that out of you? Well, there was a variety of reasons, uh, to be honest. Um, I mean, I'd worked in radio, so I liked the medium of, you know, interviewing sure. and podcasting and I, I knew I was good at it. I missed, I used to do comedy. And so I like missed cr- being creative. Um, sure. I talked about doing a podcast for a long time. My husband was like, oh my gosh, stop talking about it. Just do it. And, um, but when I decided on, business with purpose and and interviewing people who were using their professional, like their vocational pursuits to impact the world in a positive way. It was because for years on my blog, I'd been doing these little kind of featurettes where I'd, I'd highlight a brand or something like that, that was, you know, fair trade or ethical or just really doing something, uh, kind of counter what you normally saw in business and, and really having an impact. And I realized that you can only do so much through the written word and pictures, but hearing someone tell their story of, this is why I started this business. This is why I am doing this with my life. This is why I feel passionate about this particular thing. Um, Or this is why I'm taking the skill set that I've been given to use it to serve others. Um, That is so much more powerful and connects with people um, in a much different way than just reading words on a screen or a picture. And so Mm -hmm. I just wanted to be able to sit down with, I mean, I've sat down with, I mean, you're, I mean, I'm approaching episode 300. So, you know, almost 300 different people who have do all different kinds of things um, with their lives. And I, so I think that that's the kind of thing that just you know, impacts people, connects with people. And I've heard from listeners over the years going, man, this episode uh, really, really impacted me. Actually, um, shortly after uh, the tragedy with with George Floyd, I had one of his like childhood friends on the show, um, a guy by the name of Corey Paul. And Corey talked about like being in the projects uh, with with George, like baptizing people, like pulling the inflatable Mm. pool out to baptize people and playing basketball and all this kind of stuff. And it's like when we hear these stories that are no longer just news and humanizes us, that is what actually changes people. That's what changes mindsets. Could you have ever imagined when you were like, honey, this is this thing that I want to do. And your husband was just going, just go do it. Just, just, just go do it already. Yeah. That you would be 300 episodes deep talking to um, friends of George Floyd. Like you were a voice in the middle of a tragedy. Could you imagine 300 episodes ago that God's grace, Mm -hmm. favor and hand would be on this thing that for you was just an idea and concept? No, never, never in a million years. How good is God oh, there? Man, I tell you, the last couple of years, he has blown my mind in many, many ways, not just with this podcast, but just sure, I think when you, sure. you say yes to what God has for you, even if it is terrifying, there's just on the other side of it is like your mind just gets blown. I feel like there are probably people listening to this even currently that have been sitting on that weird fence of mm-hmm. should I do that thing? You know, yeah, and they maybe even have had 
multiple things pointing them in the direction of going, do the thing, do, do, the, thing. Thing. do the thing. And they are um, being able to take advantage of other people who have done the thing, like listening to you. If you would have never have done this moment, we wouldn't be here together. But um, I think there is something so incredibly special mm. of going, I know this feels scary. Mm. I know this is um, out of my every day. And I also don't know what's around the corner, but still going, this I must do. Mm. And I agree with you 100%. I think those those are the kind of things that really change the world. Mm -hmm. And I, I get excited every day when I think about all the things that I've yet to discover from all the beautiful and wonderful and incredible people out in the world that are just now going, now's the time to do it. Yeah. And you know, I think we kind of even alluded to something that I know that you talk about in your book, which we we have to talk about because it's incredible as yeah. I take my coffee black reflections on Tupac musical theater faith and be, being black in America, which can we take a real quick time out? OK, so as the day we're recording this, the Super Bowl was last night, and I feel like we would be remiss if we did not quickly discuss the most epic halftime show of all time. And I was really I need to know if you were campaigning for holographic Tupac like I was. Whoa. OK, did. OK, question, Molly. Did you post that somewhere? Yeah, uh, like, no. I think I did in my stories. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, just okay, because listen, Molly, Molly, I, we've already become best friends, but now this is about. So I posted something on social media about it. it, was, it was, like, I don't even remember the third quarter. Like, that's no. how I got to. I don't even remember what happened in no. the third quarter of this it didn't game. Matter. I was still so hyped, right? <laughs> the halftime show. And somebody came on to somewhere on social media and just posted, was anybody else hoping that there would have been a holograph like Tupac? I, I just need to say to you, Molly, I would have died. died. Like, we would no longer be here like you would have been like man i was supposed to see tyler on <laughs> on valentine's day after the super bowl but he died and it would have been because it would have been too much like it just would have, and so this is what i think people don't understand right and listen i don't know all of the people that are your listeners but you just need to hear listeners you need to hear me for a second if you did not get the halftime show if you were sitting there going it just wasn't for me if you're going mm, i don't really know that's okay. That's like, okay. That is that is all right. That is th listen. When I remember when Maroon Five did the halftime show and Adam Levine had his shirt off with all his tattoos, bulging muscles, and the whole like all of my women friends were like, "This is all I need in my mm -hmm. life." And I was like, "I like Maroon Five, but I'm cool. Like I didn't yeah. need this for the Super Bowl." And it was okay that I didn't that I wasn't all into Adam Levine. Loved the man, love him. He's dope. His bulging muscles that day that wasn't for me. That wasn't and that's for me. okay. Mm -hmm. But if you were like, I was watching Snoop Dogg last night and Mary J. Blige and some dude with his hair twisted going, we going to be all right. And that wasn't for you. I That just wasn't for you. But it, you better know. It was for it was us. For me. It, was <laughs> it was for us. It was for, uh, it was for us. <laughs> like, uh, man. And, this, wait, and can we talk about the surprise uh, of 50 uh, Cent, who, who looks more like a dollar now? <laughs> it's inflation, man. <laughs> right. I was like, that dude got a lot of nerve trying to like be upside down like he was back in the day. How, how long was he like that? I mean, I, I have so many questions. You know what? If you go back and watch the video, because I've now watched, listen, I've now watched the halftime show probably 48 times. Okay. Oh my gosh, I love so, you so much. Right before he comes on, like right before they show him, you can see him underneath, like in the house that he was doing his thing in. Yeah. You can see him walk up and grab up and flip himself upside down. Go back and watch it. Fantastic. I have studied this. Like, I'm telling you. Like, I've studied every moment of it now. Like, Mary J. Blige, I was literally like, hold on, Alexa, how old is Mary J. Blige? Mary J. Blige is 51 years old. 51. 51. Mary J. Blige is 51. I was, I've was i been meaning to ask all day long and all night. She's 51. 51. She came on there looking like Beyonce. She looks so good. And Dr. Dre is 56. Dr. Dre is like a great, could be a great grandfather somewhere. <laughs> And he's just up there just being dread. Like, oh, it was I, so man, good. It was I felt so, so good. old, no. but in the best of ways, man. I am, and it was, I think from here on out, all halftime shows need to just appeal to the people between the age of like 35 and 50. Like, let's just that age range. Right. Just saying the Gen X and millennials. <laughs> I'm even listen, I'm gonna keep it real. I'm even cool if they want to overcorrect next year. If they want, if you want, if the Super Bowl wants to overcorrect next year and be like, 
this year's stars are Willie Nelson, Randy Travis, and <laughs> Garth. I'd be like, dope. Like, Let's you do, do you, do you, as long as, like, the next year I can get, like, a P. Diddy Super Bowl oh or something. Gosh. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I'm cool. They, But they, I felt like, man, I'm still hype over it. Like, too. I knew exactly where you were going. And I was like, I don't know if you want to go here, because this could be the whole podcast now. <laughs> <laughs> I know. So my we were we had a just like a small gathering at a, a friend's house and like me and my friends were uh, just real hype. And my kids were looking back. So my kids are eight and six and they were dancing. But at one point, my daughter was like, why do you know all the words to these songs? <laughs> like, I have so many questions, mom. I have I so many questions. <laughs> like, I feel like I don't even know who you are. Like, what is happening right now? <laughs> I'm telling yeah. you, like it's, it's it's you know you can take the girl out of DC, you can't take the DC out of the girl. So I'm just saying. Where have you seen where you like Arlington area? So like, my mom grew up, my mom grew up in Arlington. I was born and raised in Herndon, which is like a little town right outside of DC. Um, but I mean, that was you know that whole like DC the go go culture. Like I'm just right, saying right. that was that was what I listened to growing up was WPGC ninety five point five and uh, Kiss FM ninety three point nine. And like I had the radio on the morning Tupac was killed. I had the radio on the morning Biggie was killed. Like I remember listening to the radio like when that happened. So like that's just that's just what I grew up with. You know what I mean? So like seeing last night was oh oh man, it was so good. Um, Clearly, we could talk about this the entire time. We we all day. Like I I feel like. God has brought us together, it Molly. Really, really this, this was an ordained moment with you. <laughs> I love it so much. Okay, okay. So, but I so I want to go back a little bit, obviously, because we were we were joking because we got on to- Tupac because Tupac is in your the subtitle of your book. Um, but the the one thing that I really wanted to talk about because this is something that I know you you really drive home this message and this idea, and I think we've just been doing it here in the last thirty minutes is uh, sure. this idea of proximity. And proximity to people who are different from us, you know, look like uh, look different than us, uh, vote different than us, all those kinds of things. And how that is the cure for racism, for division, for all these kinds of things. And I kind of like if I'm just being real honest, like I I love that so much because I see things like watching the Super Bowl last night and like in the end zone, they have the little thing that says like end racism. And I'm like, that's a nice sentiment. But like, is any person sitting at home going, you know what says end racism in the in the end zone, I think I'm gonna stop being a racist today. Like that, yep, that was it. That was the thing that pushed me over. Seeing end really, racism on the back of that guy's helmet. Cause I just, was sitting here today going, hmm, <laughs> should I be less racist? Maybe I, I don't know. That guy, the, you know what? That football helmet really inspired me to, to burn this Ku Klux Klan outfit in my closet. This is it. My, honey, it? grab the Ku Klux Klan outfit. <laughs> I just watched the Super Bowl and darn it, Dr. Dre has convinced me. That's it, you know? And so that's, and so I always like, I understand the like sentiment and the virtue signaling, really. Uh, If we're really going to just be honest and call a space space. Right, right. But um, you're, you're, the thing that you talk about so much is this idea of proximity. And so talk to us about this and and how you, how you discuss this uh, throughout the book. So let me say this. If you, if this is your first time finding out who the heck I am, um, first of all, welcome. (laughs) Secondly, listen, if you're not a book reader, go grab the audio book because the audio book, they legit let me just do whatever I wanted to. My publisher was like, have at it. So I have my friend Jimmy Kimmel on it, my mom and dad. Um, if you're a Broadway person, I have uh, my friend James Royal Iglehart who played the genie in Aladdin. He's on uh. it. And they just let me have my way with the audiobook. And if you're a reader, um, this book reads, uh, it reads like we're sitting down having a cup of coffee. I now, I-, I say all that to say there are some incredible books on the Black experience um, that exist, anywhere from how to be an anti-racist to cast. To, there's a there's a there's a billion, not enough, but there's there's some out there. And when I decided to write a book, I knew that that wasn't my jam. Like you, if you pick up my book, I knew I wasn't going to write a book that was just going to be stacked with facts in in such a way that it was going to be so heavy. So instead, what I did is I wanted to write something that gave you a one-on-one walk with me, a six foot two black man with dreadlocks. And so in this book, I get incredibly transparent 
in a way that can almost sometimes make you feel uncomfortable mm-hmm. to the point where when you get like halfway through the book, you're going, is this guy the antagonist or the protagonist? I don't really know what's going on here. And I talk so much um, with humor in it from the beginning of the book to the end of the book, but also while sneaking in these hugely historic moments that about Black culture and life that people just don't know about, or some do, and they're surprised by it because I talk about it in a new and different way. And I do it in this kind of trickery kind of way where I just basically have you walk with me through my story. But in the midst of that, I insert these pieces of history that leave you at the end of the book going, I feel like I just had coffee with my best friend now, but in the midst of it, I also went to school. I also feel like I, I kind of was a little bit in a stand-up comedy show. I feel like <laughs> I know more about this guy than I should. I also feel like I experienced Jesus. I'll tell you, this was one of the biggest things that I got from people talking about this book. And this all goes into proximity. Something that surprised me, like genuinely surprised me. I didn't write this book for Christians, like specifically. I didn't. And in fact, I kind of went, although I'm a Christian, this isn't for you. So There's some language in here that's a little bit heavy, and I'm going to be more transparent. Like, there are a million females, Christian writers, that do a fantastic job of transparency, but not a lot of male Christian writers will be able to, like, really tell you, you know, there's so many books on, this is what you need to do to walk with God. This will make your life better. But my book is like, I kind of (laughs) suck. And you might not like me, but I also like Jesus. You know, and so I I didn't think that the reaction that I would get was hundreds of non-believers picking up this book, putting it down and going, you made me remember the Jesus that I originally fell in love with. Mm. Like you made me remember why I came to Christ in the first place. And so I did that in a way by just going, I'm going to tell you everything that I am. And it just so happens in the midst of this, I am very much blackity black. I am a black man. So my stories are not going to sound like yours. Or if you're black, you're going to go, and this is, I just finished doing a virtual book tour, a a virtual book club with a whole, like just a soul, like an all black virtual book club. And we had a party in this book club. Like we had a party about it because we were talking about how In my book, I stress that there is no one way to be Black. And all these readers were reading it going, I'm I'm seeing myself in here, bro. But Mm. this isn't like a typical we are one way. Because in the book, I talk about Bon Jovi. I talk about Gwyneth Paltrow's obsession with vaginal steaming. You just got to read the book. (laughs) And in in the same chapter, I talk about lynching, right? I, of course, talk about uh, Tupac. I talk about Harry Potter. Like... I talk about Hootie and the Blowfish. I talk about NWA. Like, you know, it's it's this weird um, Gen X. Mo- I talk about the cranberries, right? Like yeah. when I was in high school and a girl came up to me and goes, hey, um, we're going to, this white girl comes up to me and goes, hey, we're going to go see the cranberries. I didn't know what a cranberry was. And I, like, I genuinely was like, I was genuinely like, you're going to go pay to see fruit? Like, I don't understand. <laughs> and then she was like, yeah, we're going to pay. It's going to be great. But we have extra tickets. And I'm like, what kind of white people cranberry cult is this right now? <laughs> and so all of that to say, in this book, I let you walk with me in a way that you may not even walk with some of your closest friends. Mm. But by the end of the book, you have proximity to me that the next time you see a six foot two black man with dreadlocks walking down the street, you begin to wonder, what is this man's story? And is it rich? And is it deep? And is it funny? And is it filled with love? Is it filled with grace? Is it filled with anger? But you stop and begin to think. And if I can get any individual to stop and think before they jump into their own fears and their own concepts of what they think they might be viewing at that moment, then I did all right. And that's what I Take My Coffee Black has succeeded at. I am so proud of this book, not because I think it's great, though I do think it's great. Um, I'm just so proud because I feel like it's actually helping change the world. And that's all any of us really want to do, right? Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I love one of the things that you said that 
uh, I mean, obviously, there's so much about it that I, I love, but how you talked about how you didn't write this book for Christians. And that's just on a little side note, like that's an encouragement to me because I'm working on my first book and I'm not writing it for Christians, <laughs> although I want Christians to read it, but I'm really right, writing right. it for the person I was before I became a Christian. And uh, that's really like who I kind of am picturing um, as right. I'm writing is like, who, who was I at the age of 23 when I was a complete jacked up mess? Who was I at at 24 where I was a complete jacked up mess and like who needs to hear this? And like, it's that person. So that was just a little uh, side, just me being selfish and saying, thank you for encouraging me in that way. (laughs) Um, Well, well, let me, let me say something about that really quick. Let me say something about that real quick. One of the reasons why I, I didn't write, until you read my book, it sounds like I'm being like kind of mean about it. Like skip Christian. That's not what's happening. (laughs) No, I I totally get it. But um, one of the reasons why I didn't do that is because I didn't want to go into writing this book feeling like I had to be caged at all. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Like after I wrote the first chapter and sent it to my mom, like I cussed in the very first chapter, I think, you know, I say some word and my mom calls me and goes, Tyler, I really love the first chapter. It was great. But um, do you think that you want to use language in your book? You know, and I said, Mom, you're the only person I don't cuss in front of. Like, like <laughs> outside of like kids and you, you're the only, you're the only person. Like, so there's no way I'm about to write 18 chapters in a book and not keep it 100. Um, and I said, but you, mom, that's, thank you for bringing this up because it's checking me in my spirit again. It's telling me like to write what's you, man, write what is you, write what is true. And there are going to be some people who are going to, re- to respond to that, but God willing, everybody will be able to see who you really are. Mm-hmm. And um, a, a pastor friend of mine too was like, I would love to share this book with my congregation, Tyler. And this was in the early stage of me writing. They were saying, I'd love to share this book with my congregation, but I don't know if they're going to be able to get past the, the language. And um, I said, yo, man, I can't write this thing trying to, trying to impress Christian. I just can't. Mm-hmm. I just can't. Like, I'm not concerned about sales. I'm concerned about keeping it 100. Yeah. And, um, and if you're, if my cussing is going to be the thing that's going to turn you off from the book, wait till you get to chapter 17. <laughs> <laughs> just wait, because it's just about to get real. So, yeah. Yeah. But I, you know, and just how by the end of the book, though, people know you for who you are and what you're about. And it gives, like you said, it gives people that that chance for proximity. And that's so important uh, in our lives. and and something that takes work. It takes intentionality. Like it does not happen by accident. And, um, but when you go through the intentionality, when you go through the effort to be in relationship with people who are different from you, which is so funny and so timely. Um, uh, our pastor actually did a sermon literally on this yesterday on uh, the Acts 2, like multicultural church and how um, we saw, you know, people of every nation, every tongue coming together um, and worshiping. And what does that look like? And how do we as a church be a multicultural church that is a picture of what God created and how it takes intentionality? It takes work. Like it's not going to happen by accident. But that's such an encouragement to me and I know to so many people is is this idea of just being intentional and it doesn't have to be scary. It doesn't have to be hard, but you just have to invite somebody over to your house and cook them a meal. Like right. ask somebody to coffee. I don't drink coffee, but like maybe we can, I don't know, I'll drink my Diet Coke while you drink coffee. I don't know. Like, you know, <laughs> let me let me say this, Molly, and, and, and I want to say this as an encouragement, but also as a challenge to people. Yeah. So, Two things. First, I like your church and I like your pastor because um, I, I like him talking about intentionality. All right. But I'm also going to say this. I don't know anything about your church. So uh, this isn't me trying to point out any specific thing. Yeah. I'm just making a, a statement. So to your listeners, if you are white and you are listening to this and you are a follower of Christ and you were saying, how do I um, have an impact in my church and maybe making it more diverse, this, this, that, or whatever, I want to say this to you. I would say it is not always super successful for a pastor to go, go out and get black people and bring them in. Right. Or like, but, but what I will say this is this, if you walk into your church and you don't see any black people on your staff or on your stage or in your worship team or in, or in your children's department, 
people that are actually getting paid as staff members on your church, people of color, listen to me. Mm -hmm. That's where the intentionality starts. Because listen, I'm not saying that if, if your pastor is going, go out, we need to become diverse, but is not going to hire a person of color. Mm-hmm. Trust me when I tell you, when I walk into your church, the first thing I notice is that if anybody in leadership looks like me, because that tells me about the trickle down mentality, the people who are in the discussions when you're deciding on a Sunday, are you going to, we'll, we'll use George Floyd, for example. Okay. When George Floyd was killed, there were white churches all across America that began, and I'm glad these conversations we're even having, we're beginning to say things like, hey, so maybe we need to start a social justice committee that meets on Wednesday. Maybe we need to, every fourth Sunday, say something about Black people in the community. Maybe we, be, we need to begin to reach out in certain ways. What white churches in America do not understand is that the Black church is the social justice committee every Sunday morning. Mm -hmm. Sunday mornings for the Black church is where the social justice committee is. That's where people are coming for for hope, for peace, for understanding. If you don't think when George Floyd was murdered that that Sunday that Black people, that wasn't the subject, that worship services weren't stopped in the middle to go, let's talk about why we're here and what's going on in this moment. If you think that Black people, the week George Floyd was murdered or anybody else, had to, they had to get together at the Black church and go, so uh, are we going to talk about this this Sunday? Hmm. I don't, what do you think? No, 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 no. Yeah. They were being the church. Yeah. They were being social justice on a Sunday morning. So for all of the listeners who are like, I, I, I want something new and different and diverse in my church, I would genuinely say to you, When you go into your service and you look up on your stage or on your front row, are you seeing people that do not look like you? Because those are the things that I notice when I walk into a church. So that's the first thing I want to say. Second thing is um, the fact that we're having conversations now about how we can be more diverse brings up a very um, real issue. Mm -hmm. And I know that there are listeners that are listening now that are going, Molly, Tyler, this is completely cool, but I live in a mostly all white neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Like I live in the suburbs and there, my kids go to a white school. Everybody's white where I live. And though I have a heart of somebody who wants to be active, this out of the other, I would say the same way that you put energy into taking a vacation, same way you put energy into um, having a destination place um, with your husband or your kids. When you guys decide you want to go see you know, the Minnesota Timberwolves play basketball, whatever your storyline is, it takes that same kind of energy and effort to make sure that your kids are not just growing up in one environment. Sure, if you choose to live there, that's fine. And that's not me saying, go and take them to Mexico and serve people and and take a, and have a like God complex. No, 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 no. I'm saying, yo, go to an environment where there are people that are different than you and just exist for a little while. Just exist. Your kids will begin to pick up on the beauty of other individuals. Your kids will notice the effort of you pulling them out of an environment that only looks like them and moving forward. And um, I want to give that as an encouragement that I, I know it's hard. I know it's not easy. Yeah. But it's possible if you're willing to do the work. Oh, so good. Man, Tyler, I just can, can, can you come back on the show? Because I just want to talk to you for like another like four hours. Yes, we can. Just I can. We I can. Be let's do an entire episode just about holographic Tupac. Can we do? Can we, can we? Can we do that? Can we do that? Um, yes. Okay. Um, all right. So for the listeners, because I obviously uh, we're running out of time, and I'm just so sad because I want to uh, have Tyler on the show um, again, uh, which we will. We will make it happen. Um, but for the listeners, I will have uh, all of Tyler's information. Um, I'll even have a link uh, to that viral video uh, that I first saw back in 2018. Um, you probably saw it. If you're listening to this, you're probably like, oh, yeah, I think I remember that. And why wasn't he wearing a shirt? I'm just kidding. That was for your mom. Um, <laughs> uh, but I'm going to have a 
a link to all of that um, along with uh, a link to his book, I Take My Coffee Black, in the show notes. Um, this is my challenge. I get nothing out of this. You should go buy his book right now. Like right now, just pause this podcast, open up uh, indie books, you know, now or whatever, or Amazon or Barnes and Noble or wherever. Preach, girl. Go Preach. buy the book and then you can come back and you listen to the Get to Know You round. So, um, Tyler, this has been a pleasure. But before we go, it's time for the Get to Know You round. Are you ready for the Get to Know Let's You round? Let's go. Okay. Number one is what is your current guilty pleasure? The TV show Yellowstone. Okay. Where do you watch it? Because I've heard that we would really like it, but I don't know where we can watch it. First of all, well, I watch it on um, like, I have cable. So I watch it through like, I think Paramount Network is where I watch okay. it. Okay. Um, but I think you can see some episodes on maybe Hulu. Maybe I think, I, I, I don't know, but I just watch it through Paramount Network Okay. Um, on demand. But let me say, um <laughs> the show is about white people cowboys <laughs> and fighting over land like it's it's the most it's the like you're gonna read my book and be like yes black man and then be like this dude watches yellowstone the <laughs> hell? so i'm just letting you know it's it's Sorry. about the whitest whitest show you can get and it's basically about white people taking land but it's dope though i love it <laughs> I'm in love. I love it so much. That makes me really happy. Um, okay. So say tomorrow for like no terrible reason, but you were just told like you have to do a completely different job, like a totally different career. It's nothing bad, but just like something happened. You can't, you can't do it anymore. You have to pursue a totally different career. What would you do? I'd be a teacher. Oh, I love that. Like 100%. grade. Um, yes. Like all grades. A- any grade. <laughs> any grades. Um, I love the the idea of high schoolers because I love being able to kind of help shape people before they step into the quote unquote real world. Yep. And I feel like I have a grace for young people mm-hmm. that, and it's because I don't have any kids that I know of. Right. And so, um, I love your honesty. I, <laughs> so there's, I hope you're not listening to this podcast, with Tyler. Um, but there's, I have a grace for young people that I think, um, not all adults have. Yeah. So, yeah. And I love like little, little kids, yeah. you know, which I'm going to tell you, guess who has a kid's book coming out in September? This guy. Oh, that's awesome. You heard it here first or probably second. You, I don't know. You did. You did. Called A Door Made For Me. It's kind of fantastic. When we get off of here, I'll maybe share with, I'm saying maybe because my publisher will be like, I can't believe you did that. But all right. I'll maybe show you what the cover looks like. Oh, it's that's awesome. Movie. That's so exciting. Okay. Um, That will, con- that's Awesome. Um, I was a high school teacher for a couple of years and loved it. Um, and I, I looked like a high schooler. I looked like a high schooler. You, kind of you still kind of look like a high schooler. I know. Schooler, and I'm, I'm in my late 30s and um, it's genetics. <laughs> thank you. You look good, girl. Um, thank you. Look you. Good. Thank you. But I was, I literally taught high school my first two years out of college and I would get asked for a hall pass. And I was like, I work here. Like I work here. <laughs> Yeah, but you also were a hot teacher too, which you probably don't think about it now. Like now looking back, you're probably like, no, I was just doing my job. But no, in high school, my teachers weren't cute, except for like one or two. And those one or two teachers were like so hot. So you need to know that you were somebody's hot teacher. People are talking about that right now. That is hysterical. I do actually still keep in touch with some of my high school students. And um, they they make me feel really old because like now they're married and have kids. And I'm just like, ugh, gross. Actually, and a girl that I taught, I was her 10th grade English teacher. She is now a like she has her Ph.D., got her doctorate in in English and is now a English professor at the school where I went to college. And so I'm like, wait a second. Like, and so she's like colleagues with my college English professors and she's Dr. Covington now. And I'm just like, wait a second, but I taught you in 10th grade. How am I old enough? It just makes me feel very old. So, uh, but that's, it's okay. I love love it. it. Okay. What makes you laugh the hardest? Oh, my friends do like being a comedian actor. I just have funny friends. Yeah. Like I have, Okay, I'm gonna keep it. Okay, keep it 100 with you. When I'm around like just black dudes and nobody else is around, and we, first of all, if anybody ever recorded conversations with just me and my black friends in one room, I would be canceled a hundred times over. Like we would all just be canceled. But um, even if it's just on a text thread, right? You know what I mean? Um, yeah. 
you know, when you s- surround yourself with funny people, um, life is just better. Yeah. So I would say what makes me laugh the hardest are, are my friends easily. Yeah. I also, I also love to laugh. I mean, I'm also a former comedian. So, uh, yeah, I, I love, in fact, I had a couple years ago, I had Kev on stage on oh, the yeah. podcast yeah. and I laughed that entire episode. Like I just, I just constantly laughed and I just was, <laughs> and then a, he came and did a show here, um, in Durham a couple, uh, like two years ago. And I was like, Hey, I, I interviewed you on my podcast. And he was like, Oh, I remember you. We talked about Bobby Caldwell. And I was like, yes, we did. Yes, we did. Uh, it was awesome. It was awesome. But anyway, I just, I love surrounding myself with funny people and there's just nothing better than like, I really believe that, uh, laughter is the best medicine and I'm going to do whatever I can to overdose on it every day. Um, I'm just saying, okay. My last question, Tyler, this is a question I ask all my guests. And, uh, what does it mean to you to run a business, to live a life with purpose? First of all, let me just say, if you are blessed enough to have the thing that you love also be your business, Mm um, man, like what is, what is your life, right? Like what is our life that I can wake up every day and dream and create and people want to be a part of that. And um, there were to listen, I have been a broke artist, like a broke artist. I was actually just talking about this a couple of days ago, um, that when you're broke, you're hungry, right? Mm. Like <laughs> when you were broke, you are, you crave to make everything great and better and every moment tastes sweeter. Yep. Um, I've walked through many of things in my life that have led me to the moment I am now to where I have a voice that I feel like is significant. I have a story that I feel like is filled with uh, real things. And that hasn't always been what my life has been. But and forgive me, like it, I almost want to get emotional when I mm-hmm. think about it. Um, I think we all, not I think, I know, we all have purpose. And sometimes it's easy to forget that. Sometimes life picks us up and moves us into places where we feel like we can't have an impact and we forget that we have purpose, that we are not an accident. That's right. That we were not a mistake. But when you are able to plug into that purpose and then build something with that purpose, not only is it beautiful, but it also feels like uh, like you're doing kingdom work. That's right. You know? That's right. Tyler, this was an absolute honor to have you on the show. Thank you so much for being here. And uh, I'm glad that I can now call you a friend. You 100% can call me your Tupac loving friend. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> thank you, Molly. And hey, I just want to encourage you. Thank you for doing what you're doing. And right now you have listeners that are screaming, thank you, Molly, um, that have listened to all 300 episodes. And I'm just so thankful to be a part of that. Please don't ever, ever stop. And we cannot wait to read this book that you're writing. Thank you. Thank you so much. Did I not tell you that Tyler is the best? My gosh, I absolutely love him. I cannot wait to have him back on the show. And I cannot wait to read his kid's book. Uh, Just go buy his book and follow him on social media. He is the best. Now, be sure to tune in next week. My guest is Bethany McDaniel, who is the founder of Primally Pure. Primally Pure is one of my favorite clean uh, skincare brands. And I was so excited to sit down with Bethany and find out all about the story behind that company. And I know that you are going to love it as well. So be sure to tune in next week. Now, if this is your first time listening to the show. Welcome, new friend. Uh, be sure to click subscribe or follow wherever you are listening to the Business with Purpose podcast because that helps to make sure that you never miss a new episode. You can find me on social media. I'm at Still Being Molly or at Business with Purpose podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Our show hashtag is hashtag Business with Purpose podcast. Uh, be sure to share this show with a friend. And for my regular listeners, thank you for your continued support. Go leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Radio Public, wherever you listen to your podcasts. And uh, just again, thank you for your support. And as always, this show is produced by the team at Third Wheel Media. Now, thank you so much for listening and go do something good with purpose on purpose.